for listening to the Reactive Attachments podcast. I started this podcast after years, 16 years, of dealing with reactive attachment disorder and attachment disorders in general and the impacts that that has on families all over. I also support those same families and communities of caregivers that are affected by children with attachment disorders. All of my opinions come from that space. I am not a medical professional. I don't have any licensing for any type of psychological or therapeutic intervention. I cannot create any kind of treatment plan or give medical recommendation or advice. I am not a social service provider either. I am simply a person who has been involved in this community for a long time and I have met the needs of a very specific group of people within this community and even though I may speak in very strong language with very strong opinions, very absolute statements may come from this podcast, please understand that's just how I communicate. And if you ever have any issues, any comments, concerns, or questions, please just reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, just at Reactive Attachments. You can always email me, taylor, at reactiveattachments.com, or very simply, just reactiveattachments at gmail.com, and we'll be adding a phone number later on. So over the last several months, I've received a lot of messages asking me for more content, asking me why I haven't been producing content, when I'm going to, if I'm going to, and all of that fun stuff. And I've pretty much been silent because um, I've been trying to wrap my head around a few things. So I'm going to give you guys an update and we'll go from there, actually. So essentially... I have this extremely common and frustrating but beautiful experience happen to me, and it happens all the time, um, which is anything I believe to be factually accurate that I have like a really strong anchored value system in a belief or like a core belief, you know, something I think is just matter of fact, it is the facts, it's true, it's undeniable, um, there's no questioning it. I have whatever, for whatever reason, determined that it is all facts. The universe will show me how much of an idiot I really am. They will, uh, I say they, uh, the universe will give me an experience that is 100% the opposite of whatever I believe to be true. Um, I will love things I hated. I will hate things I loved. I will see just the spectrum in between somehow, some way. And that just happens to me all the time. And I really need to learn my lesson. But every time you believe something to be fact, you don't realize that there's a learning lesson because you just are assigned to that belief. And I try not to be a closed-minded person. I try to be accountable to and open-minded about everything. I do. I try to consider opinions and feelings and information and whatever, but sometimes I guess I need to realize I have work to do. So with that being said, I have, I don't have a very specific, um, theory or idea or anything. I just have to say that 
when it comes to reactive attachment disorder, um, I believe that there's more to what we have been talking about than what we've been talking about. And I don't know what that means. (laughs) I don't know what that means. It means that I don't know what it means. It means that my kid is back living with me and my wife and she's just a different person, like completely different. And I don't know if it's from, it's just a series of things that could be different. I mean, that could have influenced the change. I I don't know what influenced the change. I don't know if, I don't know. Um, And a lot of things are still in fact exactly the same. So let me start by saying that some things are exactly the same. They haven't changed even a little bit. Um, we still have some of the same issues that we've had her whole life. Um, and then some things are markedly, markedly different, like completely brand new human different. I I don't know. Like everything I ever wanted in her is and it's long term like I didn't make this because I was watching and observing and experiencing these things to evaluate where we were and what was going on and if it was you know wishful thinking or overt optimism on my part you know um I don't know it's just maybe it's very simple it's the fact that she And you know, I was saying this for a long time. She got to go and give it a try at her biological parents, well, her biological dad's house. And he, you know, she got to experience like her dream family experience with his new wife and kids and big family and whatever. And, um, you know, I've always said that I think that rad children thrive more, you know, they do better as, as the only child in the home. I don't know if it's the countless years and hours of these conversations and validation and, um, consistency in holding her accountable. I don't really know, but she came, so she came to visit in July of last year. Um, I had seen her myself. I'd gone to, to, to where she lives Um, and visited her, my wife. So my wife had seen her in December of 2020. I saw her in April of 21 or May, July. She came to visit us for two weeks. And then in October, she came to visit again, which was more than a visit. It was a planned situation. She because of her life experiences and how raising her has, has been at one point in time, she was pulled from school by her aunt when she was staying with her aunt. Um, and she was not educated during the time she was out of school. So she was out of school for like two school years and we tried to correct that, but she just couldn't make up two grades in one year at any point in time. So when she went to live with her dad, um, she completed eighth, um, and ninth grade and she was going into her 10th grade year at, um, age 17. No, 
Yes. She was 17. Sorry. I'm sorry. So, um, she started to comment on how she would not stay there any longer. Uh, after she turned 18, she was getting a car. She already had a car from her aunt and she said, she called me and she was just telling me like she was going to go live with her friend's parents and still go to high school. I was like, absolutely not. You're not going to do that because that's not like, you're not going to be 20 years old and a senior. It's not going to happen. She was working. She wanted to work more. I could just see that like 10th grade high school experience for my almost, um, you know, she'd still be 18 and she'd be 18 in 10th grade. Like it wasn't going to work. She wasn't going to be 20 graduating as a senior. She couldn't make up the two years in one. And then I found out her high school was not accredited and I was just so over it. And I have been saying, you know, there are alternative ways to get your high school diploma to go to college. You don't have to stay at school because I wanted, I wanted her to have her diploma more than I wanted her to finish high school. Like the goal for me wasn't to finish physically finish going to this high school as a senior and graduate with her little charter school class. Like I did not care about that. I wanted her to be able to have the credentials to move on and do what she wants to do with herself in a realistic manner. And that was more important to me than weighing out the options for graduation. So I, um, offered for her to come and I would pay and help her take the basically like there's two versions of the um oh my gosh what's it called equivalency testing basically like the general like the GD or the TAVE or whatever so I, I I discussed it ad nauseum um my wife and I did with her dad and stepmom and there was some resistance at first and finally um, they agreed to let her, they say, drop out of school and take this alternative route. And so because they finally agreed to it, I was able to pay for her to take all of the testing and get her diploma. And she enrolled in college and she's finishing her first semester, which included like a CNA program for her BSN. She wants to be a nurse. So this college has a program that allows you to use the CNA courses, get certified, take boards, all that. And once you do that, um, you get, I think it's biology credits for it. Anyway, so we just finished the CNA course. She already has a job offer. Um, she makes really good money working a little a restaurant job right now, but she, um, she was offered, I think $22 an hour. She's not even 18, $22 an hour make her own schedule, $1,500 sign-on bonus, um, insurance, something else. And she's like, "Uh." so she's taking a full schedule and she's going to be working as a CNA apparently. And I mean, this is a 17 year old kid. So, and she's like just killing it, you know? So, um, with that being said, she has, she learned how to drive while she was here. Um, she had had her permit for a year and she kept, her dad tried to take her to get her driving test on two occasions and she failed essentially. And I realized why once she was here, it's because she didn't know how to drive. (laughs) She hadn't had enough hours. Our state makes you have 50 hours of drive time 
like logged in a in an app um and in florida they don't require that at all they don't really require anything she also needed her glasses to be you know her annual prescription to be updated so we did that and we let her drive us around a lot and it was very hard and scary to teach her how to drive like like as an example at one point in time it was i was taking her to do her driving test actually we were practicing the day before And I realized at some point that she hovered her whole leg up in the air over the gas and the brake pedal instead of resting her heel on the floor and pivoting, you know, back and forth, which was like mind blowing to me. I never even thought to to check that. I mean, it's actually a skill, I think, um, that you should be like audited on before you're allowed to teach your kid how to drive because it's not as easy as it looks or as easy as it was for my mom. In my memory, it was like no big deal. But I mean, obviously memories are skewed. So there's that. But we finally got her to the point where she got her license. That was a whole, you know, situation. We, oh, let me back up. October, she came to do her, her high school equivalency test. And she was able, I paid for them one at a time. She had like whatever it is, five subjects or something. She scored relatively high on each subject. And she um, was awarded that immediately we went to the college and got her enrolled in the program that she was most interested in, uh, which she says she wants to be a nurse practitioner. So the BSN program is her goal, but you start, you know, of course you start with a transfer degree. Um, but anyway, long story short, she started attending immediately. She had a job immediately upon looking. Um, she had money saved for a car, but what we decided to do is I don't want a third car at my house yet and used cars are very expensive and whatever. Um, the car that she was going to get from her aunt didn't work out and that's in Florida. We're in Colorado. So, uh, she ended up helping fix up all the little things that had accumulated with one of our vehicles and she paid for the repairs. Um, we needed several things, big expensive things done on one of our, our, on our SUV. Um, and then that, allowed our small car to be available to her pretty much whenever she needs it. So she just drives our small car around, um, wherever she's got to go and she's driving by herself. She went to two proms. She has a boyfriend who is, we love very much. He's amazing. He's great. He's a friend of ours here, son. She went to prom with him and she went to prom with basically our family member. She's like a friend that's like our family member, her son as well. Um, and she has just been all together, you know, I mean, there's little things I could nitpick, but she's like a regular, normal human. And it's very bizarre. It's not something I ever expected to be sitting here talking about is like how absolutely normal and, um, you know, well, she's just doing well. She's not boy crazy. Like she wasn't boy crazy this whole time. Um, she, has tried really, really hard to make friends. She's extremely prepared most of the time. She's, you know, fucked off a couple things in school that I've had to help her, like, by getting on her ass and refocusing her. But she's in college, 17. Like, she's, you know, ultimately she's killing the game. She makes a lot of money at, at the job that she had. Uh, she hasn't officially started working at this other place, but just working as a front of the house, like a greeter, um, and a to-go person at Buffalo's, like, just killing the game. Like, she's really doing so well. She's very happy. I'm very happy. Like, she doesn't ask me for 
anything outlandish. She doesn't try to push my boundaries ever, really. She wants to be around us all the time. She's, I mean, just generally speaking, she's pleasant and I enjoy her company very, very much. I feel very proud of her all the time. Um, she still can't get her ass on a, a independent schedule for showering or brushing her teeth, but that's fine. Like, I mean, it's fine. It's crazy. She's just, she decided in October that she wanted to take the test. And before we even scheduled the first test, she wanted to, she told me that she, she wanted to stay. She didn't want to go back to Jacksonville. Um, she didn't want to go home and, sh- and There was a litany of reasons that I thought were viable reasons, and she's done so well here that they they have proven to be true. Um, She has not been doing the kinds of things that I know she was doing with her friends back home, which were just normal teenager things for the most part, but they were a little outside of my comfort level, most of them. She hasn't done any of them. She takes herself to her doctor's appointments because I'd be at work, so she likes we scheduled her birth control appointment, for example, just to make sure she was you know, all the way protected. She went on her own. She's, um, yeah, I mean, she's just like really helpful and responsible and it's crazy. It's really crazy. I'm so happy about it, but I'm also like, I'm shook a little bit, you know? And after all of this time and all of the years of saying all the things, I am processing this. I'm enjoying it. And I'm just trying to understand from, you know, my current perspective, my, like, taking it back to my previous perspective. I don't really have all the answers. And I don't think everything I've ever said is untrue. I think it's still true. There's plenty of evidence of everything I've said um, coming to fruition in the lives of unknowing and unprepared, ill-prepared families. I think that the system is still very broken. I think that caregivers are being broken every day. Families are ruined. Relationships are ruined. And I'm starting to think that the message really should be about um, information spread, like dispersing information and getting clarification out there to Families that are still doing all the things that I always say are bad ideas, like um, consistently trying to fill empty wombs and foster care being a shortcut to making your own family. I still don't believe in any of those things. I still think they're all problematic. I think they are hugely um, to blame for they are the most blameable factor in family building uh, through, you know, um, alternative routes that like the system that we have in place and the expectations that we have of children to merge and, and evolve and to assimilate into families that they weren't born into and with people that they don't really know who have an agenda of building their own dream family for whatever reason and not to serve the, very selfless purpose of caregiving for reunification or just for simply for the child. I think that is, um, a big, a big consistent factor that I need to, I need to just do some deep work on myself and thinking about this overall. 
So I'm still here. I'm still engaged in this. I'm still doing the things. I'm still watching the kid. I'm still trying to understand what the psychological impact of um, her life has been and how that can resonate with other people. Um, maybe change has come, you know, permanent change has come. I don't know.